Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Rock and roll is in danger. We've heard that quite frequently over the past half decade. Rock and roll just doesn't sell anymore. The kids like EDM. Hip-hop is all the rage. But the truth of the matter is, rock and roll is a force of nature. Rock and roll keeps us alive, and rock and roll is not going anywhere, guys. And further proof of that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Hollis Brown. Great, amazing band, Hollis Brown from Queens, New York. And today we are joined by their frontman and vocalist, Mike Montali. And, oh man, this is just a fantastic band. They have an amazing sound. Um, they have some. They have a few albums. Their first one, Right on the Train. Their latest one, Ozone Park. They have a few EPs right before that. But you know what I mean. They are the the, the vanguard of rock and roll. Uh, they've been uh, mentioned by Rolling Stone magazine, by Pace magazine, by a bunch of publications, um, it, precisely for that. For being an all-American band that you know takes you back to Tom Petty, to Bob Dylan, to the Velvet Underground. Just that classical sound that we can all, that we all just fell in love with, you know. Uh, I think their motto is music described as sounding just as alive today as it would have in 1966 and will 40 years from now on. And I think that's spot on. So we welcome the Hollis Brown Band, Mike Montali, very cool guy, gave us a lot of time, told us of the band's story, told us about um, what he misses about live music, how the pandemic has been like for them. And, uh, you know, we invite you guys to check out their music. It's been fantastic. It's been featured on a bunch of TV shows, on movies, um, like on Showtime Shameless, for example, on the, um, what's the movie with uh, Michael Keaton about the McDonald's, The Founder. You know, just a lot of really high-profile stuff because their music is timeless. So without further ado, guys, this is the interview with Hollis Brown. If you like what you hear, we invite you to subscribe, give us a rating, and welcome to the J-Rod Concerts family if you're new. All right, we're in. How you doing? I'm all right, man. How you doing? Good, Looking man. Like I was having shit. Listen, I was having tech issues, uh, you know, from, from from listening to Wait for Me Virginia and Toots and the Maytals back and forth. Oh yeah, man. Toots. We lost them. We lost them. Can you believe that, man? We played with them once. We played with them once in Pittsburgh at a festival. Did you? Yeah, really that's, nice, cool guy, man. It was cool, cool crew, cool band. That's awesome, yeah. Mike. Man, so excited to be talking to you, man. Yeah, where are you at right now? Miami. Oh, Miami, nice. Miami, which Very is nice. funny because actually I saw you guys perform, and I didn't even know this was gonna happen like five years ago, obviously. But I remember thinking those guys are good. <laughs> and, All and, right. And, yeah, and this was for the County Crows, man. Oh yeah, at the uh, that was the first night of the tour, I think. In my was that Miami? Yeah, yeah Miami, downtown yeah. Miami. Yeah, man, we did a, a we did an after party after that. Actually, we played uh, at a place called I want to say it was called oh, what the what the was it Bardot? Was that a place down there in Miami? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we played like a little speakeasy kind of place after. It was nice, pretty cool. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. So, so, so it's funny. Like when I was like doing the research and listening to music, I'm like, I've seen Mike. Absolutely, <laughs> man. You've heard this band before. Yeah, dude. And, it, and it's great when that happens because it's like, yeah, I, I thought they were good. But anyway, Mike, it's a pleasure to have you, man. Thank you. Pleasure Absolutely. to be here. Absolutely, dude. So I just have to say every description of your band on the internet is just spot on, dude. Whether it's, you know, music described as sounding just as alive today as it would have in 1966 or will, you know, forever from now on or, or my personal favorite, a point where Tom Petty and the band might have crossed paths, dude. All right. Pretty good. That's like this show. That's my, that's my, that's the DNA right there. You know, I get that too. That's beautiful, man. So anyway, yeah, dude. So welcome to the show. Um, Mike, we are in mid, um, so let me introduce you to my audience. You are Mike Montali. You're the book vocalist, uh, guitarist for the uh, Hollis Brown band. Um, That's right. Hollis great, Brown. Yeah. yeah. Great, great band. I encourage everyone to listen to you guys. Um, but yeah, we're in mid September, Mike, believe it or not, 2020. Uh, how would you characterize this year for you, man? Oh man, this year was a roller coaster so far, you know, I'm in New York, so the quarantine and the pandemic hit, you know, we had big plans uh, for a lot of touring this year. Yeah. And uh, we started off the year playing a bunch of shows. And then, as you know, everybody's plan, no matter what you are or what, what you do or who you are, uh, morphed. So, well, you know, we're just getting by. We're, we're, I'm a New Yorker and I'm still here and I'm just trying to keep things going. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to come back better yeah. than before. Well, you know, there's a lot more action going on. Don't you notice? Like maybe with online shows ticketed and there's like a lot of a... Yeah, we kind of had to go from our um, idea of touring around the country and in Europe and stuff this year as a headliner to moving things <clears throat> to the digital platforms for a while. So we started a Patreon account yeah. and we were doing a lot of live streams there and we've been just kind of experimenting with, you know, different types of live streams and... and um, We've been getting, it's been pretty good. Pretty good reaction so far. Pretty good. Yeah. But you know, I'm kind of tired of fucking live streams, man. I, yeah. you know, I like things in. You're a live performer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like tangible stuff and stuff. Sure. That's, uh, you know, so yeah, it was all right to do the live stream for a while. I mean, it's still fun to play whenever you can play, but you know, music, especially our music is meant to be heard in absolutely in right happening right in front of you. So yeah. You, lo you lose that kind of connection with just live streaming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. At least they've gotten better. We're past that, you know, Chris Martin with a cat in his yeah. sofa, <laughs> March face. Yeah, when Chris yeah. Martin is doing live streams, you know it's uh, something has to happen. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. But you mentioned touring. Yeah, you mentioned Europe. You mentioned all the plans. You guys are relentless tour, like tour, tour guys. You guys, I mean, there's years that you guys are like 80% of the year on the road. Has this mic been in a way kind of like like a good thing, like a blessing that you finally get to like sit down for a sec and kind of like look at what you've already accomplished and kind of like a timeout. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the time away is you need, you need to, you need to rest too, you know? So it's good to be home and, and we took, we're always wanting to do stuff, whether it's touring or writing new material and recording. So we just took this opportunity so far this year to work on a, a new record and write a bunch of new songs and, and demo them and, and get plans lined up to yeah. having a new album done by the time we get back to, you know, hopefully oh, wait. venues can't open. Wait. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we're yeah. working on a new album, so we're not really wasting time or just doing nothing. Yeah. 
That's exciting. That's great to hear. Uh, let's talk about uh, your, your beginnings for a second, Mike. You said you're in New York. You've always been in New York. You're from Queens, right? Yeah, I grew up in Queens, yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you first picked up a guitar, Mike? That's a great question. I don't really know. Uh, I would say I was probably uh, 13 or 15. 13 to 15 was okay. probably the, the time. So you, I, so you weren't one of these like child prodigies, like Beethoven? No, no, I, you, you know, know boom. I, you kind of, the guitar was really a vessel for me to write. You know, I always wanted to be a writer and, and of some kind, whether it was a poet or a, a short story writer or a novelist, but I started writing songs before I could even play, you know, um, lyrics and forms and stuff and, and melodies in my head. And so I kind of the guitar I picked up as a vessel to kind of be able nice. to get the song down um, versus just learning it just so I can play faster right. than- So you were writing like short stories as a child, like or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I was always kind of creative in terms of writing and storytelling and, and expression in that way. So songs kind of came more naturally to me. Yeah, which is kind of what what our heroes do anyway, right? Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, like they're storytellers, man. Exactly, and those are the people that turn me on. You know, the the Bruce Springsteens, the Petties, the Dylans, yeah. the John Lennons. You know, people like that who I I tend to really like people that were able to have prolific touring careers and be great live, and also were able to have a, a great body of work in terms of their their content and their albums and their songs yeah so that's why tom petty I, I, he's probably my favorite damn man yeah dude i mean when he passed it, it was hard wasn't it Oof. yeah i saw him two months before he died I, I, on tour i saw the yeah. band and they were awesome it was great the 40th anniversary tour right yeah i saw them at mountain jam in uh, upstate new york it was yeah Fantastic. But you know what, Mike? I don't know if you noticed this. Because um, whenever, for some reason, this keeps popping up. And I, and I talked to Mark Goodman, the MTV BJ, about it because he saw them that tour. I saw them in West Palm Beach. I thought that like he, Tom Petty looked like he couldn't move, man, a little bit. You're right. He looked a little slow. It was funny you say that because I noticed he was moving very slow and right. very carefully. It wasn't like he was free wheeling exactly. he was very calculated I, yeah and i hadn't i've never seen them before so but i assumed you know he was he wasn't necessarily young to be you know right. grinding on the road so i just he's not james brown like boogie yeah exactly yeah. he never was so i just thought he was getting older but i guess he was injured makes sense he was now. injured yeah he yeah. should have uh mike man dude if you're ever like when your career in 50 years you gotta you gotta postpone the tour man don't just yeah. push for the fence all right man take a break right yeah, yeah. man fans will yeah. understand dude and in, in a lot of ways, this year for us has been that break, kind of reformat, reprogram. And I think that goes for everybody. You know, everybody's kind of shedding skin and figuring out what they want to do and yeah. who they want to be and who they want to be with. So yeah. maybe it was a bit of a correction for everybody. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, the, you know, by the way, the name of your band, of course, it's, it's named for Bob Dylan's song, since we're talking about Dylan and our heroes and Petty and all that. Um, did you have a chance to listen to Dylan's songs from this year, from May? I heard um, the one about uh, JFK. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Uh, I heard a couple of them. I heard a couple of them. Like they're 17 cool, minutes, man. right? They're cool. They're <laughs> dark. They're moody. You know, he's, he's, he's doing his lyrics like he always does. He's, he's my hero, man. I, that guy is unbelievable. His ability to, he changes kind of artistic direction yeah. so easily and, uh, and always... There's always something good 
even in the bad periods, you know? So yeah. I don't know. He, he's not, I, I respect people like that who are willing to take a chance, like Neil Young, mm-hmm. and people who don't give a fuck, and they just are it's amazing. being yeah. authentic all the time. I really I, I appreciate I have a affinity for that. But I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to get into the new Dylan too much. But I right. heard it's pretty good. Everybody, everybody in the band likes it. So. I mean, at that stage in his life, to be a 17-minute song about Kennedy's assassination—that's no picnic, man. But but you guys, dude, like your songwriting, man, it's 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 actually spectacular, man. Like we talk about "Wait for Me, Virginia," but like all your stuff, man. You like it's every word, man. It shines Thank through. Thank you. Absolutely, Thanks a lot, man. man. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Yeah, dude. Um, and okay. I think that that's something missing today. You know, a lot of people are writing the surface oh, yeah. bullshit, and yeah. uh, you know, there's. Yeah, not not great uh, famous songs anymore. No. You know, El- El- songs. Elton John got in trouble the other week for saying that, like two weeks ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah, yeah well, he's one of the he's one of my favorite. He's amazing, so he could say whatever he wants, <laughs> but he's not wrong, you know. Absolutely. I mean, it's a shame. I, I I saw some somebody posted something on online, and it was like, all of these albums are fifty years old this year, and it was mm-hmm. just you wouldn't this list wouldn't was crazy. It. No, man. You know, in 50 years, I, I don't think we'll be looking back at 2020 saying all these great albums were released. No. So, I, yeah. It's a shame. I know. I'm with you, man. Absolutely. Now, you know, okay, so the beginnings of the band, you met, obviously, Jonathan Bonilla, and, and, you've, and you've told this story a million times, Mike. So I like Paul, how you got his name right, because you, you, you're in Miami, Bonilla. Yeah, everybody everybody calls him Bonilla. That's, that's like Smith here, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets Bonilla, so Bonilla is nice to hear. So I'm sorry to ask you this question for the uh, ten thousandth time, man. But um, you guys met in high school. Um, just kind of like take me to like the, the first time you guys met, because because you guys met in high school, but you were in different circles, and then it was really in college where you kind of like wrapped it up together. How did how was that? Going? Yeah, we met in high school in Queens, Malloy High School, and we weren't really close or anything, but we were just one of the few people who wanted to play music and play guitar, and so we did. Uh, get together at a friend's house for a, a jam session at some point and hung out. But then we both kind of went our other ways. And then we both went away to college. I went to University of Delaware and he went to the York School of Music. And we were there for a year and midway and we, we said, what are we doing? We should be in New York, you know, trying to start a band. So we came back and um, we formed the band. We were kicking it around the scene for a while and, and you know, sneaking in underage, getting into clubs to play, you know, CBGBs right. and all these places. Like Sunday nights and all that shit, right? Exactly. Like, you know, we were not even legally in these places playing them, but just wanted to get out and in, in the East Village and all these places in Manhattan and Brooklyn and wherever, just running wild, basically. And we did that for a few years. And then we... Um, wanted to really take songwriting seriously so we got together in his dad's garage over one summer when we were finished with college and all that and we wrote our our first record like took it seriously and wrote our first record we went down and recorded it and we wound up putting together the lineup that we have now as and forming hollis brown and we went down and we had this album and it got picked up by a label called alive records out of California, they, they put out a bunch of really cool records. And we got a little buzz over in Europe off of the release of the, of the first record back in 2013. And we just kind of hit the road and just kept chasing it and touring our asses off and building every year a little bit. Hey, Europe a little loves bigger. you guys. Yeah, we've been building a little bigger every year, every year since 2013. And now it's 2020. And we've released um, 
bunch of records and we're still going, you know. It's pretty solid, man. And you guys have a solid, solid background in uh, following in Europe, man. How would you uh, how would you talk about the difference between the um, the European maybe clientele and and the North American one? Clientele. Um, you know, it's different everywhere you go, every time you go. You know, it's like yin and yang of rock and roll. Some Sometimes you go there once and it's the best time you've ever been there and you go back there and it's not as good and or, or, you, or vice versa. So every day is really different. It's not uh, it's not easy to predict what's, what's going to happen, but I just know we just show up and we try to put the best show on all the time. Yeah. But, um, I love going to Europe. It's really unbelievable. It's great. It's great to... Um, see the different cultures and be reminded of, of how we're all kind of alike, even if we're a little different and get the different food and see the different sites. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. Mike. Now right on the train, of course, it's your debut. Um, and it's, it's really phenomenal. It's a very cool, easy listen, but it's, it, it's the uh, culmination of like all the songs you had written up to that point. Uh, three shots. I like I, I like that conversion because Three Shots was the first album where you kind of like had like a time frame to write new material. Yeah, the second um, album is always that, yeah. uh, you know, you spend your whole life making the first one. Exactly. For us, it was like 25 years, you know, and then <laughs> you get two years to make the next one. Exactly. And that one came out five years ago already. Yeah, How, five years ago. Yeah, yeah. How do you look back on that, on that uh, Three Shots, Mike? I look back I look back on it now as a great period for the band. When we were doing it, it was very difficult because we were all younger and didn't know what we were doing and we were broke and we were just trying to stay on the road and we were on the road nonstop for years. Nice. You know, we opened for some amazing bands like the Counting Crows and the Zombies and, and uh, we got to headline over in Europe maybe two or three times on that album cycle. So I remember um, it felt like we were imploding while we were actually doing the album cycle for three shots because it was really difficult we were making no money and we were playing yeah. all the time everywhere for years um, but looking back I, I it was a really it was something that a band kind of has to do in order to to have a career so uh, it was a growing period for us so i look back on it probably more fondly than i than i remember it actually yeah in the moment. building that thick skin yeah yeah, man, it was it was, a, it was a it was a grind for us because you know the first record, we just made it how we wanted to. We got picked up. Everything was fresh. Everything was fun. And then uh, by the time three shots happened, we had already been playing professionally for a few years. And then yeah. that album was really a grind. And um, we lost some band members over it. We gained some band members over it. You know, it was. Uh, but it, I I like the song and, and I like the songs on the album a lot. You know. It was a little sure. bit more of a storytelling record than a personal record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I look back fondly on it. it. It wasn't easy, but it was a good period. Yeah, and what you said, reconciling. We talked to, to a lot of bands, and they have that period where, like, they're getting a more recognition. Like, all the boxes are being checked, but, like, not the bottom line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So, exactly. so it's like that, like, what's going on? How do you make it all shoot straight? Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh, definitely. So, Mike, you've done some great covers. Oh, Sweet Nothing from the Velvet Underground. Uh, really good stuff, man, from Loaded Album, which you guys love. Um, but it got me thinking, because you're on record about talking to such great albums, you know, David Bowie and, uh, you know, all this stuff. So I got to ask you, what's, like, the five albums that have, like, shaped you? Like, what's your Mount Rushmore? Oh, jeez, man. Yeah, man. You mount, or, or, or you got to give an alien five albums to this cover. Yeah, whatever. It, changed, it changes for five albums. Uh, I guess <laughs> I, I'm a big – I'm big into – British rockers, British classic rockers doing like American style music. That's kind of my, what I, so I okay. guess if I have to say, I would say 
probably one from, oh man, probably Exile on Main Street would be definitely be it. Um, Dark Side of the Moon. Nice. Because uh, I like psychedelic, uh, melodic rock. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, I don't even know, man. This is um, <laughs> it's impossible question. I, I've been, right? I'm in, yeah, I've been <laughs> in a, like a Zeppelin. Zeppelin Four probably would be on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ziggy Stardust, I like a lot. What, what petty oh. album would you pick? Would you pick Damn the Torpedoes or, or maybe for, another one? You know what? I, I, for petty, I would probably pick um, Full Moon Fever because that was the yeah. that was the album that got that I first was introduced to. Petty yeah. as a kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like my petty. You know, I wasn't born yet when the that era, the the damn the torpedoes petty, but but I yeah. was a kid when Full Moon Fever. I remember hearing that era. So I would say for me, that'd be one. That's amazing, Mike. Man, uh, I like um, Blonde on Blonde is a great record. Yeah, Dylan yeah. record. Uh, yeah, this is, you know that kind of that kind of world is. Are you a Beatles guy at all? Or, uh, or, or that's my favorite band, man. That's why I was okay. I was looking. I was gonna say Revolver, probably. Okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, now, Mike, we were talking about rock and roll earlier, and then the quality of the music nowadays. And and I did want to ask you. It seems like there's three schools of uh, of thought regarding rock today, right? The first one is, and that's the one I kind of believe in, and it's that rock and roll is cyclical, and it's okay. like not here right now, but it'll come back. Like people will get tired of the DJ pressing the thing, like. That's one skull thought. The other one is that um, that rock and roll nowadays is like represented in some sort of country, like Margot Price or uh, Butch Walker or like Jason Isbell kind of thing. Like that's like the spirit of rock was in the 70s. And then there's the third one that is the pessimistic one that is like rock is dead, you know, no more guitars, <laughs> kids don't like that shit. Where do you fall? Um, I'm probably a combination of one and three. Okay. Uh, the the first the first one I think rock rock and roll is not only a genre of music. Oh, sorry, my fucking phone went off. It's not only a genre of music, but it's an attitude or a lifestyle. You know, it's how you carry yourself, almost in the same way of punk rock. And I think that rock and roll kind of is embodied by a lot of the hip hop artists more so. You know, when yeah. you look back in the '90s, all the rockers were trying to get rid of that excess thing you know the grunge was kind of in everybody was not <laughs> but all the rappers were doing the the flamboyant present that the rock star the mick jaggers and the robert plants did yeah so I, I i see rock rock and roll as kind of like kanye west to me is the biggest rock star now because he's just mm -hmm. out there he's flam you know he's he, so in the in the first example you said i could kind of see it but when it comes down to the genre itself, I don't know if there's been a band in the last, you know, probably in the last 10 or 15 years that's been able to get to that, the, the kid, to get the actual music itself to be the main, uh, the main thing. You know, yeah. I do think rock and roll is alive though, because I think live music is, uh, well, this year it's not, but in general, the mm -hmm. touring, the touring, uh, business was the best it's record, ever been yeah. yeah so you know people still have a craving to hear 
live people playing live instruments people want to see sweating and people want to see the effort yeah Yeah. and people want to be there and feel it in the room and and do all that so that's so to me rock and roll is alive in that but rock and roll is not necessarily instagram's fucking flavor of the week you know what i mean so (laughs) you know yeah it's what it is the whole Spotify playlist thing, it's like fascinating to me, by the way. It's like such yeah, a Yeah, you know, unless you're making your, you know, acoustic chill uh, music. Right. Exactly. What's Spotify? Um, Mike, you've been so generous with your time. Let me ask you a few more questions, man. But like, yeah. this is fun. I feel like I'm talking rock and roll with a, with a, with a buddy at a bar, man. All right. Um, yeah, man. Um, so you mentioned you were playing the CBGB and it got me thinking. Because uh, John Bonilla also once mentioned that the New York uh, City Winery was his favorite venue. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he said that, but it's closed since. Like, I think actually Disney relocated its headquarters there. So it got yeah, me they're opening a new one though in this in New York. Oh, they are. Okay, yeah. Cool. That's good. That's good. But it got me thinking, man. Like, you've been a lifelong New Yorker. Uh, what's the truth? I mean, I obviously love going to New York, but as a visitor, but as a as a local, what's the truth there with seeing all these cultural things die and become like banks and? Is there any truth? Is that overblown a little bit? No, I don't think it's overblown. I think it's very true that the edge, you know, New York became a wealthy person city, especially when Bloomberg was was the mayor. You know what I mean? It became hard to, you know, I'm a child. My parents are immigrants. So they came, they immigrated to New York. I was born in the mid 80s and they were able to work regular jobs. They came from Italy, Mike? Yeah, they're Italian. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were able to, th- that period, you know, my grandfather was able, was a waiter at the Plaza Hotel. So he was able to come here, have a regular kind of job and own a home and build right. a family, you know, but nowadays you can't do that. If you're an off the boat immigrant and you want to get a job in a restaurant, you can't own something in New York. So I, I think that, um, that's definitely true. The gentrification and the, the, you know, corporatization of the city um which is why right now it's taking such a hit because all of those people who came in and forced all the people who lived here just decided to go to their hamptons house or their midwest house or their <laughs> yeah. west coast you know they just decided yeah, to leave yeah. and go somewhere else because it was getting um yeah. you know risky to live here so yeah, true i never knew so I it became more people. plastic in that sense but um New York has always been an evolving and changing thing. It's not like anybody deserves it or, or holds it. So it's always evolving and always changing based on the dynamics of income and, and nationality yeah. and, and a lot of different factors. So it's always moving and it's always changing in that regard, but it did definitely change from what it was, you know. It's true, man. It's true. No, and it's funny you mentioned that because I, I didn't know I had so many fucking people who loved going to Wyoming all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, <laughs> where, where were you the past fucking 20 years in Wyoming, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Mike, la- go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, but, you know, there's, I've, I've been, I'm, in, I'm a New Yorker. I've been here my whole life, but I've also traveled an immense amount. Like when you mentioned yeah. Wyoming, I was like, I was just in Wyoming in December. Right. And uh, it was awesome. It was, there's really, it's beautiful there. And there's so oh, amazing yeah. things there. So, you know, it's, it's just about where you, where you want to be. That's yeah. for me what it's about. And and this pandemic, I think, really woke people up to that. You yeah, know? for sure, for sure, Mike. Mike, let's uh let, let's leave, leave us with this. Leave us with um just some life memories, man. That like that you've been on stage and you're like pinch me moment that you see. Oh man, I've had a bunch of them. Um, 
definitely singing Walk This Way with uh, DMC from Run DMC was a huge, that was a pinch me moment awesome. for me. Yeah. I was like, man, it's crazy. Where was that? Um, that was what at uh, in New York, at Brooklyn Bowl in New York City. That was oh, unbelievable. nice. Yeah, super cool. Um, Counting Crows tour was definitely a pinch me moment, playing Red Rocks and playing Play some Red of these Rocks. places that had, you know, there would be 10,000 people out there and you're playing. That, was, that, was, that tour was definitely a pinch me moment. Uh, playing with Cindy Lauper nice. was a really big moment, doing... Um, Money changes everything. One of her songs, we backed her for that. That was really cool. There's That's been a bunch cool. of them, man. There's a lot of them. I'd love it, but, man. But uh, those are a few of the live moments that were great. Well, that's and awesome. And even doing record release, you know, the last record release show was a, was a great one for us because our third album of original songs, it took us, you know, yeah. six years to uh, to make that happen. And, and we had our best year yet in 2019. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the record that you released for Record Store Day? For Record Store Day, we released two different ones. One was the EP called Cluster of Pearls. It was just five songs that were left over from the Ride on the Train yeah. sessions. And we yeah. put it out as the EP. And uh, we also did uh, a recreation of the Velvet Underground, uh, Hollis Brown Gets Loaded. Amazing. So, um, One of those is like all Velvet eBay. Underground yeah. songs. One of those is like on eBay for hundreds of dollars, man. Yeah, the Velvet Underground one took a life of its own because we, <laughs> I don't know, it was a random thing. We just did it in two days and we wanted to only make a thousand copies of it just as a fun kind of, you know, and yeah, it seems to it seems to have uh, done something crazy on its own organically. So yeah, that was that was a good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a recreation of the Loaded album, mm -hmm. which is 50 years old this yeah. year. It was, wow. <laughs> it was on that list of things I was telling you about earlier was loaded by the Velvet Underground. Everything's and, turning old, man. Yeah, yeah, but... Even you 2 I'm a YouTube guy. All, all that you can leave behind, the one that has Beautiful Day and all that elevation, is 20 already. I saw that. I, I see you got YouTube behind you on the, yeah, on the wall it's, it, it, it's I'm a little bit of a YouTube freak, man. It's, I, can't, I can't hide it, even though... What's your favorite I'm, album of, of theirs? Uh, Actung Baby. Ah, all right. The one where the uh, edge was divorced and there were yeah, about breakups that. that was a that was a deep uh, like a dark not dark i don't know it was yeah. a heavy album heavy, exactly. heavy you know it's all good shit man when, when i it's like the joshua tree yeah obviously that's cool man. most people do mike you said it all man <laughs> well thank it's, you for having me man I absolutely it. absolutely it's been a, it's been a great time hollis brown band guys we can't wait to see you on the road dude absolutely all right we'll see you down in miami soon i hope all right take care man all right later You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.